0: This is Do Good and Do Well, the podcast for people who want to make a positive difference in the world without losing themselves in the process. I'm Sarah Fox, life, business and leadership coach. And in this podcast, I'll be sharing stories from social and creative entrepreneurs and leaders to help inspire you as a change maker to do good and do well. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Fox and welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. Before I talk about my next guest, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has supported me on this surprising podcast journey to all of you who have listened and subscribed and rated and reviewed. Thank you so much. It really, really does mean a lot to me. And it really does help if you leave a review, if you download, it really helps push the podcast out. And I am really passionate about getting this message out that in order to do good, in order to contribute well in the world we need to also do well for ourselves and we all know it don't we we all know logically what we should be doing we need to be drinking more water we need to be going outside we need to be connecting with others especially at this point in time so as I'm recording this it's we're in our first week of lockdown but it's much harder to do and we've spent so long thinking about others and of course we need to do that but you need to put your needs in that mix too so that you can show up as your best self put your best foot forward and really be in the best place to walk through this very strange difficult bumpy unjust sometimes world so yeah thank you for sharing. I am going to be putting out another five interviews and then I'm going to take a break just to review how it's all going, look at my lessons, what I'm learning, what I might need to change. If you have any feedback at all, please do get in touch. You can either do that through my social media or you can email me on and sarah at sarahfox.co.uk. The link will be in the show notes and I'll also be recording some solo episodes to start delving into some topics around values and purpose mindset and well-being so if you've got anything you'd like to ask or any content you want me to provide again please do get in touch my door is always open And before I talk about Bernadette, who's my next guest, I also just wanted to say that from now until the 11th of February 2021, so if you're listening beyond that, obviously this is irrelevant but I'm going to be offering some pay what you can coaching sessions on Thursday afternoons and evenings as a way of trying to support change makers through this third lockdown so if you want to talk out loud find some clarity reconnect with purpose anything really You can book one of those sessions and pay what you can. All the details are on my website, or you can get in touch with me through my social media. Okay, so back to today. I am really excited for you to hear from my next guest, Bernadette Russell. So Bernadette is an author, a storyteller and an artist and she recently wrote How to Be Hopeful, your toolkit to rediscover hope and help create a kinder world and I think you'll agree we all need a bit of that. She creates art nationally and internationally in and with communities with compassion, compassion, connectivity and joy at the heart of that work and she's worked with a whole load of different places including Royal Albert Hall, the National Theatre and the Southbank Centre who selected Bernadette as one of their 67 changemakers for her project 366 Days of Kindness. I really hope you enjoy this this interview. So A huge welcome, Bernadette, to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. I've been really looking forward to talking to you because, well, firstly, because you're just such a lovely person. But also, I feel like I need you. I need you, particularly this week. So we're in our first week of our third lockdown and I don't know about you but even though I kind of expected it it is feeling tough but perhaps before we get on to all of that you could start by telling
1: us a little bit about yourself. And um, Thank you so much for having me Sarah Fox, best name ever <laughs> and also pleasingly uh, Ginger to match mm-hmm. your surname. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. My name is Bernadette Russell and I'm from a theatre performance background cabaret background and more recently well in the last 10 years have been involved in sort of kindness activism through various different arts projects and have written um f- five books now actually non-fiction <sighs> books about sort of with kindness at the heart although they've covered things like wonder and joy and hope most recently and i have uh, since it all started for me back in 2011 I've tried to keep sort of kindness at the centre to be the sort of compass the true north of all of my projects um yeah and I've been lucky to do some really lovely things and speak to some amazing people and it's been immensely helpful during this mm. really tricky time yeah so how how are you how how has oh, this tricky asking <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I uh, I, I, I think my friend said, and I'm sure many people have said this, but I think it's a really great analogy. She's went, wow, it's like we're all in this, we're all at sea, but we're in slightly different boats. And my boats felt a little bit like a patched up dinghy, maybe, or sort of like a leaky fishing boat. And I think it's a really good analogy because everybody has had different kinds of hardships. And I have had much less hardships than many, many people. So I wanted to say that first of all. But I did lose all of my work within the first week of the first lockdown in everything. Uh, And I know uh, because I mainly work in theatre and performance. So that was tricky. And as it's gone on through the amazing sort of resilience and creativity of that community and help, I've managed to sort of a little bit reinvent myself. Yeah, and have been mostly, I have to say, really cheered and buoyed up by the really beautiful expressions of community and kindness and connectivity and gratitude everywhere, all over the place, all over the world. I've enjoyed seeing choirs spring up outside old people's Mm. homes. I've enjoyed seeing flocks of sheep playing on children's playgrounds. I've enjoyed hearing birds for the first time because I live on a main road in central London. Um, So mostly I'm all right and I'm trying to just, like a lot of people, stay in the day not panic. Help people as much as I can. Try and look after myself. So sort of alright. But every day is a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like being. It's like living on the Pepsi Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. N- you never
0: quite know how you're going to feel when you wake up. Like it's it's sort of a, a bit of a surprise. It's like today I f- I'm feeling. Yesterday was really hard for me. I found it really tough. Today I felt optimistic. I felt okay. Tomorrow I will probably be totally different.
1: Yeah. One thing I've been thinking about a lot is I got a few people sending me messages saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not very positive." And I be- became horrified. So I was like, "I don't want to be like the." <laughs> I call it the tyranny of positivity. It's yes. Not, it, it's not helpful. We need no. to be able to say, do you know what, today I'm really angry or mm-hmm. I'm really um, sad or I am I feel devastated or actually I feel really excited. Uh, you know, you mustn't attach guilt to any of the things you're feeling, I think, because it's all, all sort of valid. But you're right, you have to just wake up and say, mm, what's going on today? Oh, I feel like throwing a load of plates out of the window or I feel like dancing mm-hmm. um, and any of the things in between. So, it, yeah, it's really important. And for me, I'm really glad that you're making this podcast because for me, for the first time, if I'm honest, and I'm slightly embarrassed to say that, I've realised that self-care is absolutely essential in order to be able to just carry on if you keep on through it all really mm. and to be of any use mm. yeah to yourself or to anyone else
0: yeah that I think you're right it it feels like sometimes there's such lip service paid to well-being and self-care you know it's all in our logical brain we all know that that's some of the things connecting with nature connecting with others hydrate you know eat well all that kind of stuff and in our organisations, there's this sort of sense that, oh, yes, we need to really look after our staff and look after ourselves, each other. But I think really doing that, like properly living that, that feels like it's not always aligned. You know, what, what we're saying we want to do and what we're actually doing there's a real misalignment.
1: Yeah, I agree, Sarah. And one thing that I don't know whether you would agree with this, but one thing I've realized and accepted is that it requires work mm. because what it requires is a, a very high degree of self-knowledge so someone else's sort of radox bath is not self-care to someone else, you know yeah. what source for the goose or whatever that expression is <laughs> yeah so it it requires Work, but there can be pleasure in that work, which Mm. is really important to say. So, if you can accept the sort of joy of self discovery, of saying, because for you, maybe walk outside in the park isn't the thing that you need to do Mm. to rebalance yourself, or you actually find it a bit chilly and you don't like the feeling of walking in mud, and that's okay. Mm. But maybe for you, what you need is to watch a box set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that is completely all right. Mm. And I think it's recognising the different kinds of self-care. Like my friend uh, Ben Hogbean is a coach, and he runs a beautiful organisation called um, Discover Wellness, and he talks about identifying the things you need to to sort of inspire you the things you need to comfort you you know so the different kinds of self-care required sometimes you need distracting sometimes you need energizing Mm -hmm. sometimes you need inspiring and so for me i've literally sarah been creating this sort of uh contemporary pandora's box full of things that make me feel good i've literally got a box and i I, just to remind myself Mm -hmm. and also to think oh do you know what actually it it really cheered me up to read that Chris Little poem. So I must remember to do that sometimes. Or I really liked making protein balls, so I must remember this recipe. And it can be as simple and as small mm. as that, and it is as individual as that as well. Mm. Someone else's idea of making protein balls is probably hell. <laughs> yeah. But it's whatever we... So it's it's to take the opportunity to find out what you need and also think it's really important to recognize that actually some of the things we find out we need there's grief in there too because we can't get them at the moment Mm -hmm. we can't have them you know we can't hug we can't get a train down to the beach and have a bonfire on the beach with our friend that lives in Brighton etc so in it is saying these things I like as well I can't have them at the moment but there's there's sort of a there's a melancholy, a sort of joyful melancholy in saying, I'll get those back and they are things that serve me. I can't have them at the moment. So, but what can I get? What's the closest can I get? So I think the opportunity for just doing the, the joyful work, I think of saying, what works for me? Mm-hmm. What does self-care mean for me? And that it's okay. No one else needs to know. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. if, you're, if your self-care in, involves, you know, toasting, marshmallows over an electric bar fire that's your thing that's fine (laughs) yeah I I don't know where that comes from because I don't have an electric bar fire but it might be you know
0: yeah I agree does that make sense it does make sense I think what it requires also is a listening is a really tuning in a stopping giving yourself permission to stop and listen to yourself and tune into your own needs and then permission to act on those as well and I think my what I witness often is that people who are trying to contribute positively to the world who want to help others have a good life sometimes feel like they're not able to assert their needs I mean even parents for example you know parents who are really want their children to have the best will often put them, you know, their, their needs will be at the bottom of the pile. And I'm kind of going, no, you'll need, you know, and what are we role modelling? You know, if you're a leader, if you're a parent, we need to role model what that looks like and stopping and listening and identifying what it means for us and, and what each of our
1: boxes of stuff looks like, you know, is so important. I worked out something. Earlier, which I think sort of applies to change makers in the broadest sense, as mm. you described, which <laughs> I, I thought we need to unburden ourselves from the expectation of wisdom. So, what I mean by that is, I think in these extraordinary times, those people who, you know, educators or people or artists or social artists or um, therapists, we need to. St- it's okay to say, I don't, I don't. No, actually i can't mm. i can't fix everything i don't know i had to do that because i was in the extraordinary position of having finished a book about hope just before lockdown and then i had to revisit it and sort of adjust it because i didn't mm. want to make it about covid but i had to acknowledge this world-shaking global event with compassion and that was really important And then I started getting messages, sometimes, honestly, Sarah, an overwhelming amount of messages saying to people, what can I do, what can I think, where can I go? And I started to say, and it was really liberating, so hopefully it will help anyone that's listening, I started to have the courage to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what I do. It might not work for you. And I really realised in a really deep and profound sense that actually what's tricky is you have to sort of do the work and you have to let other people know they'll do the work. It's not like... You can devise a course or write a book that gives you all the answers. Mm. There's not this sort of magical tome that you open it and loads of glitter falls out and then and then everything turns into Disneyland. So I found that really useful this time. If that doesn't sound too negative, I just mm. unburdened myself from the mm. expectation of wisdom. I don't. Mm. It's, I let myself. Quite often I say I haven't got a flipping clue and I don't mm. know or I didn't see that bit of news. I'm sorry, I don't know. Mm. And actually, that's made much more authentic conversations with people because it means people can go, Oh, right. Oh, no, I don't know either. I wonder what. And then the conversation becomes more human and a little bit more equal. So you don't, not that I'm saying I am wise, but you don't feel like you're sort of some kind of Yoda.
0: Yeah, person. well, it's beware of the guru, isn't it? Like, I. I <laughs> And I think in the coaching world, what I'm seeing is that people are desperate for answers. They want to know how they can build their businesses in this time, how they can, how they can look after their children and make money and do that in a kind of ethical way. And I, and I think sometimes, not everyone, of course, but sometimes there's this sense that coaches have the answers and we're going to give the answers, but it's, for me it's not that at all it's about holding that space to help you find your solution the solution that works for you and it and it might not be a solution actually (laughs) you know there might not be an answer but it might move you on a little bit in some way or another that helps you get out of the mud a little bit out of the ditch
1: yeah and I think the other thing of being spoon-fed answers, which might not necessarily help, I remember it was years ago, I looked at the display in W.H. Smith's of sort of non-fiction. It, it was kind of horrifying, because at the time it was all like, smash it in the face and get rich. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> By <laughs> Brett Kinghorn or something. It was all like, fly me. These, sort of <laughs> <laughs> these kind of... <laughs> um, I'm sure that... Brett Kinghorn, whoever he is, is a very nice man, but it was also... If you're great. listening, we, we like you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you're suffering too. But it was all this kind of very alpha, capitalist-framed, production-driven, money-driven, very na- narrow definitions of success. They, none of those things are working anymore, so that's that's created the crisis and the opportunity which you so beautifully described. It's infantilising to spoon-feed
0: mm. your,
1: anyone. Mm-hmm. Because she, even if you read Brett Big Hall, whatever what called it, <laughs> even if you read him read his book, that's not necessarily going to work in your life. And yeah. so, the, so it's partly us all right now having the courage to say, "This my situation is my specific situation, and I have to do the work." And Sarah Fox can help me because she's a brilliant coach. Or mm-hmm. Brett Longhorn. This book can give me a few tips.
0: He needs to keep his same surname. It's, it's not great I'm for sorry. an author, is it? If he keeps no,
1: changing the stuff. The poor man. I mean, I'm disrespecting him. But yeah, but so, so for me, that's been a big, yeah, a big learn. Both as a person and also someone that tries to mm-hmm. help people, saying we don't. We're on absolutely uncharted territory. This sea that we're all in. We're off the edge of the map where it says there be monsters here. We don't know where we are, and. Although that's frightening, there's also the opportunity to reinvent and it's hard, isn't it, Sarah? Because I think part of the issue is is there's this huge sense of urgency. We've got to do it now, we've got to learn it now, we've got to reinvent ourselves now. And that's real, I totally empathise with that. But also what we need to do is slow down. Mm. And I haven't worked out how we those things coexist, how it you know, hurry up and slow down. I don't know what you think about that. I think
0: that sometimes by us slowing down, it enables us to speed up because we can really focus on what we're doing I think uh, I've said this a couple of times on this podcast there can be a real like scattergun approach of going uh, oh I need to do this quick I'll take that resource and I'll do that and I'll do that and I'll do that and it and it just bogs us down and makes us feel really heavy whereas I think if we can slow down and just focus on one thing it's almost like being in your own race isn't it it's like stay in your lane you'll get there you're in it for the long Mm. game but you know yeah I, I I mean, I think that's easier said than done. I've got two children at home, ten and nine, so but but in a way, that's making me slow down because I have to just i can only do so much in one day and I have to kind of accept that that is what it is, and I'll get there. I'll get there at some point point. and there's something you said I think it comes back to that listening to yourself again and even if you're reading these books because there are some brilliant books out there at the moment but it's about saying okay I'm going to read this but I'll figure out what resonates with me I'll take away what I need I don't have to take it all I don't have to listen to it all but what is it what are the things that I'm hearing that that links my own experiences
1: yeah, there are lots of amazing resources, I think. So there are, there will be a way that helps you, mm. and, and whether that, that is weeding or a new exercise or joining a dance class, any of those things. Again, it's about checking in what brings you a little spark of light and of joy. and mm. just helps, I think, and that will mm. be different again. Mm. And I think also, well, there's a couple, but the two main things I... Th- Think about when I'm speaking to people as well who are activists in some way or another, is really be mindful of the, st- of the stories that you hear. And I mean that on every level. The news yeah. is very adrenal-driven. It's very sort of, quick, run, blow it up. Nah, oh. yeah. You know, it's like that. And also this... But also it kind of applies to the stories we read and the films we watch, all of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important just... Checking in how they make you feel, how the news makes you feel, how how the sort of, the, the things you're receiving, the things you're consuming, you know, because we are what we eat in every way mm. possible. Mm. And then also allowing yourself to, to be, to receive and to witness kindness, which is on vast display at the moment. Everywhere has continued to be. It tends to be quieter and not quite so foamy mouthed and doesn't always enter into rows on twitter but the world has been has exploded with this beautiful fountain of kindness and generosity and connectivity and good humor and so that can really help it's like one you don't need to do it all because there's loads of people doing loads of amazing Mm -hmm. stuff so you can have the day off if you need to just yeah watch buffy and you can You know, let yourself enjoy the fact that there are all these amazing, beautiful things going on, and then it's really useful, I think, and hopeful, and and sort of soothing to note what is going on with science. How amazing our Mm. scientists are, and innovations of science, the courage of scientists, the drive of them. Not only, and also, it's kind of got rid of in a really helpful way this idea of the slightly inhuman male scientist who works on his own and always wears the same suit and has crazy hair and doesn't really talk to anyone else. And actually what we've seen is science works, the way that everything works. Mm. International groups of people working together in collaboration. So the, the, the myth of that sort of solo hero, yeah. the myth the myth of people doing it on their own is gone. And so mm. I think there's lots of hope and solace in that. And like, it's okay, I can have the day off. Yeah, Because actually... There's my neighbour doing amazing stuff and there's the food bank and there's Marcus Rashford and there's the primary school teachers doing amazing things. You can Mm, have, you can, it's okay.
0: Yeah. And I think the the stories thing is interesting because I think we also need to be aware of the stories that we tell ourselves as well that come from our own experiences, that we are the ones that have to do it. We are the ones that have to control everything, the situation. You know, I, I think it can be very unhelpful, the stuff that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we should
1: should or should not be doing in this time. And the story we tell ourselves, that we punish ourselves with, about our story so far, you know, so you can find yourself saying, well, I was... Once upon a time, there was this girl called Bernadette. She didn't really do much. That's not your story, is it? You know, Mm. so it's worth just checking in Mm. the story that you tell about yourself. Or once upon a time, there was this this woman called Bernadette Russell, and really, she was was a bit of a failure because she didn't get her Arts Council funding. It's like, that isn't all of it. And so it's worth revisiting, just having to think about. Mm. And I, I wrote about this exercise in the book. I've done it with people quite a lot, which I get them to do in pairs, where they tell a celebratory story of themselves so far just with the highlights in a really playful sort of fun way mm. and every and you do it with a friend and every time you go into failure it, you're kind of not allowed to do that you have to just say and then I won third place in the egg and spoon race and it was brilliant so it can be playful and light-hearted yeah, yeah. And, and, and and then I got nominated for this award or I got some funding to do this so it's really lovely and then the next part of the storytelling exercise is imagining what the next chapter is and I think that's important right now because we have to allow ourselves to imagine what's ahead even though we're not certain even though that might not happen yet and in a really playful fun way you know we can it's okay to 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 play with that idea Mm. of what the future might be
0: Yeah, I love doing that. I love writing out my 10-year <laughs> yeah. goals of when I've got this massive philanthropic foundation and I'm on a beach somewhere <laughs> as yeah. well drinking cocktails and yeah, it, it joy play feels very <laughs>
1: Yeah. And right imagination. Now, it? You have mm. to you have to imagine it first, you know. I, I mm-hmm. did a little bit of research in my book about people about um flying because I was really interested in that cause I found out, and I'm sure you know, but the basically flying, the first kind of flying mechanisms, I think, came from China in um, the fourth century. So they mm. they created kites. And in a way, I was thinking from that, from this beautiful invention of kites, which was made of adults and children, that eventually led us to Concord, really, so through a few crazy experiments with eagle wings and strange sort of flapping machines that's the journey so we have to imagine first we have to do the first baby step to get somewhere else so it feels sort of really important and I think people are a little bit scared to imagine that Mm. at the moment and also think I've been really enjoying I have some friends who are sci-fi geeks sci-fi writers and sci-fi fans yes and I'm really enjoying engaging in that world, which is very new to me. But what the reason I'm enjoying engaging with it? It's like let let's have a look at that whole genre of storytelling, because what it does is encourages to imagine what utopia might look like. So instead of imagining that we, you know, we're living in this sort of dystopia where we're all sitting around bonfires made of old furniture and you know eating mm-hmm. rotten corn on the cob or something, mm-hmm. that actually there could be the future could be brighter. And so yes, yeah, so the stories have been a big bit a big, really big thing for me. Both looking at positive news stories and nonfiction stories, listening to people's stories of the amazing things they've been doing during this really difficult year. And also fantasy, yeah, why not? Let's go yeah. there uh, with your with your lovely imagining of you and your and your philanthropic organisation to watch the last episode of the star wars films last night and i was like yeah the triumph of the light over you know and all of it's really helping that's okay
0: mm.
1: obviously i know that i haven't got a lightsaber <laughs> but i think allowing yourself to imagine that the future could be fantastic mm. is really mm. important
0: and no one is necessarily going to imagine that for you. You know, it's about what we want for a kind of a global future, but also our own futures and what we want that to look like. And we do have, uh, as uncertain as things feel, I do believe that we have some choice over that. We have some choice about what steps we take to take us on the, you know, the path we want to go on. Um, I haven't asked you my question that I ask everyone because... Because it's so interesting. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do it now. And actually, I had a question about the Star Wars stuff as well. Because I saw your Instagram post earlier, and I thought it was brilliant. But anyway, what does do good and do well mean for you? Mm,
1: that's such a brilliant question, Sarah Fox. I think any action that has compassion at the the, in the beating heart of it and that means that your intention is to increase joy or good things or or fun or positivity in the world for the world outside and for yourself is doing good however that manifests that might be literally just picking up a piece of litter in the park Mm
0: -hmm.
1: do good do well doing well is well you can't I'm not sure whether you can control that, but I think if you can marry or combine doing good for the world with doing good for yourself, then you're doing well at it. But those things have to coexist. And I speak as someone who has, who's very has historically been quite self-punishing. I got really burnt out this year, so I had to just put a stop to. Had to have a few more radox baths and watch Buffy. Mm-hmm. So. I think those things have to coexist. Mm. I think you have to take care of yourself, and you can find a place where doing good in the world, adding to the joy, the fun, the beauty, the pleasure, the kindness, the compassion, the the wonder of the world, can coexist with those things serving you as well. That's doing good, doing well. I think. Mm. Do it. Is that if I answered it?
0: Yeah, beautifully. Mm. Yeah, I might nick
1: that. That's brilliant. <laughs> nick it. I love you, nicking it. I'm honoured.
0: So, where where did the drive for all of the work that you do? You know where you see yourself in the world and how you want to contribute. Where did that drive come from? Do you think? Do you, would you like me to be really honest?
1: It's a little bit dark. Mm. Okay. So, if I've you're happy just, to share it, yeah, I've only really just started talking about this. So the catalyst for me starting 366 Days of Kindness, which was nearly 10 years ago now, was the London riots, because I was horrified to, at the response to the riots not by the riots themselves. But before that, I had a really, really challenging childhood and I was pretty much let down by all the adults that were responsible for me and so were my sisters. Um, not all of them. And I... And I I, it was different, so I I sort of had this childhood where I I was encouraged or I was sort of put in a place to believe that the world was occupied by monsters and that people didn't look after each other. And my entire battle in a Star Wars type way was to sort of to disprove that. I wasn't going to accept that. I wasn't going to just accept that People didn't look after each other, didn't care for each other and didn't love each other. So I've spent the whole of my life trying to disprove what probably not very well people tried to teach me or inflict upon me when I was a child, that the that, that cruelty and kind of unkindness um, were, were with the way. And so I, I um, yeah, I do, it's taken me a while to work out that's where it Came from actually, mm. it's taken me until recently actually, but I think, yes, it's like that isn't the only truth. Yeah. And um, that the truth is that we are capable of, of both good and bad things, and we have to forgive ourselves. And most people, when they behave badly, they're motivated by fear. I think fear's the enemy, not each other, which I've said many times. So, it, yeah, it came from saying, I can't accept that the world's full of monsters. I don't accept this cynical. Dark view of the world, and I will seek out the 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 good in people, and the best of people, and the beauty in people, and that's my life's work. And I've been lucky that I've been able to do that. That every time I've basically out there said, "Surely we can do better than this," there's been a resounding yes. I've always been joined by people. I've been enormously supported. There is always more good than bad. There's always more light than dark. There's always more hope than fear. Always. And I know that because I've been out there my whole life. As with many other people, I'm not uh, alone in that.
0: Mm. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That feels powerful to identify where it comes from. And I and I uh, my dad was disabled and I off, I saw him very much being excluded in the world, and so I think that's driven my sense of including, and trying to create a world where everyone can be themselves and fit and fulfil their potential because he didn't ever feel that. And so yeah, I sort of not enjoy hearing stories of where you know of how other people have come to this place, but I think there's a kind of shared sometimes a shared hardship yeah that drives us to go you know what the world needs to be a better place what can I do to do to help that it's
1: enormously fulfilling as well like it's to, to find your place to help to so make the world a better place gives you purpose and meaning and those mm. things are enormously helpful they are a form of self-care my partners are brilliant Uh, he's a fan of Marvel and he's kind of got me into that whole world he's brilliantly knowledgeable on it but I'm I'm very interested in that in terms as a storyteller in a sort of kindness campaigner relating to what you said about your dad is I encourage people to think about their origin story because it's Mm. fun and it's like origin story is all there's always suffering or, or there's the nadir of the story when it's really dark or something terrible's happened or that the person who becomes spider-man or who becomes luke skywalker or you know they that's the that's the thing that drives them that with for you seeing your dad suffering or sorry if i'm misquoting you Mm -hmm. uh, experiencing that for Mm -hmm. me experiencing what i experienced that from that darkness Mm. that drives you to the light Mm. and 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 everybody has that and and you're blessed I think really fortunate if in that moment you say this is this is the dark and I from this place I'm going to seek the light Mm. and you can Mm. sometimes it's really small little pinprick yeah and and sometimes that journeys well I would say always that journeys your whole life Mm. but it's always fantastic and full of adventures and wise people and forests and all those other metaphors. (laughs) I I think, I think thinking, what is my origin story? As in, what was the moment at which I decided I made the choices? And sometimes that's my origin story was feeling, like my friend was saying, I felt she's from a really poor family. She was like, I made choices to have a very safe career choice because she came from a Quite poor, and her family were all sort of folk musicians, so it was lovely and arty. But she always felt really insecure financially.
0: Mm. So she,
1: and recently she said, "But I love music," so she's kind of gone back. But she helped herself by realising her origin story, which was reacting to this poverty and wanting to feel safe. Mm. So becoming a, a, she became an accountant, mm. safety in the numbers. And so I just, I think, if it doesn't sound too wacky, <laughs> I think thinking about origin stories which we all understand is a really powerful yeah
0: yeah I talk a lot about it's it's that kind of gathering data about yourself you know when you're on that journey of kind of knowing who you are knowing thyself it's about what what's all this data and can I gather it and then you choose to keep some of it and choose to let some of it go that you know again that's sort of a longer harder journey sometimes because it's so ingrained within us but But yeah, and and I guess even when when we're talking about the future, it is that like, what do you want your future to look like? That's data. That's telling you what you should be doing now so that you can head in that direction at least.
1: Yeah, and it requires courage. Mm. It does require courage, especially at the moment. And so great admiration. So circling back to our earlier thing about sort of managing your expectations, you don't need to have... You don't need to make a big splash. Like at the moment, my ambitions are—I guess what other people would describe as fairly small. I was like, actually, I'm going to have to reinvent myself again. So I'll—I've kind of got—I'm developing an idea for a, a sort of online community slash course. And I was like, it's, it's really fine if it's only six people to start mm-hmm. with, and its and it—and—and that—and for a year, as long as I can put beans on the table and feed my dog, so she doesn't eat my shoes. <laughs> that's okay so it's also okay to say right now because we're in this extraordinary time I'm going to have the courage to look to the future but that might just mean me just trying to go a walk half an hour a day mm-hmm. and increase my fitness and or in a business way that might mean me just trying to get three more clients or mm,
0: yeah yeah but it's also okay to look on the other spectrum and go you know what I want to put more than beans on the table I want to have <laughs> a
1: giant yeah. salmon or goose I don't know whatever I think, <laughs> and I then... think that, that's where I need people but someone like me needs someone like you. Because recently, I was recommended. Uh, my friend Kate Bailey runs this amazing podcast called Love Sober, which helps uh, mothers in their sobriety journey. It's amazing. You should meet her. Actually, mm. she's wonderful, and she co-runs it with uh, lovely women called Mandy Manners, and they're amazing. And they put me onto a book called Playing Big. I think it's Tara Moore, because I don't do that. I, I'm a, I'm a, I am a fan of small actions and and sometimes too much so I think you're absolutely right but again sort of threading back to storytelling there's a lot of really interesting stuff in folk uh, wonder tales myth storytelling about big and small mm. so you'll look in some stories it's the small actions and the small people like the she or the fairies that get the job done in others it's an ogress or a giant you know so I think that doesn't sound too weird. Like <laughs> thinking about scale and yeah. about it is it time now to fish for that giant salmon? Mm. Is it is it time to just go, do you know what? It's fine for me to just today do that little thing. Mm. I think is part of the wisdom, but I'm reaching a little bit here, Sarah. I'm trying to work out I'm quite interested in is it a time for big or mm. is it time for small? Mm. And maybe that changes from day to day, like we were saying earlier. Maybe I think today. It,
0: I- Yeah I think it does and well I you know I think again going back to stories we tell ourselves I want to run a business that's really successful both in terms of who and what I'm impacting but also in terms of money and there's so many stories of going oh I'm female I come from a working class background I don't deserve you know other people other people get paid that other people have that kind of money And and I'm starting to go hang on a minute we need good people who have money who are going to do good with it and I think there's a danger that we do keep ourselves really small and it's not just money it's about you know six people you could get 20 people on that course you know you, you could gather all of those people together Sarah Fox I'm gonna make it <laughs>
1: I'm gonna have to use my coach <laughs> <Well, right.
0: laughs>
1: let's have a, t- <laughs> have a conversation you heard it here you heard it here everyone No, it's really good. It's good, and it's especially sort of pertinent to me. Sorry to make this about me, but um, because as I said, I've focused on the power of small Mm. pretty much for ten years. So it feels like maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's time to sort of look at another thing. It's interesting. It's an interesting Mm. philosophical um, Mm. uh, debate, I think, about scale. Mm. Yeah, I agree.
0: Right. I've said, i said I always say to my guests I'm gonna keep it half an hour and inevitably always goes on much longer but what tell us what's next for you and then how can people find out more about you and your books and your brilliant work
1: so my book how to be hopeful was published in september of 2020 so that's out so it would be hugely just to be honest it'd be massively hopeful if you bought that (laughs) it can be acquired at all the usual outlets yes and it's coming out in paperback actually in may here and it's coming out in the states which is really nice and that's doing well i have a sort of backlog of a podcast of the same name and a I'm going to do a few more episodes, but I'm probably sort of wrapping that up. You can find me on BernadetteRussell.com, a website which I try to maintain as best I can. I'm very active on social media. I try to use it. I've still maintained the hope that it can be a sort of platform for sort of positivity and fun and stuff. So you can find me on Instagram, Bernadette Russell, on Twitter, Russell which is b-e-t-t-e Russell and I'm on Facebook as well so I try to sort of post some fun things yeah and as I said I'm a proud member of the largely theatre community so at the moment I'm gently reinventing what that means and hopefully working with Revelation Ashford which is a beautiful mm. venue inside a church oh, I
0: love it there yeah,
1: yeah. so we're running a a sort of writers group called Scriptorium which I think is gonna be on an ongoing thing which will start off online and hopefully we'll move into real life. So you'll be able to find about that via my website or via theirs. And I, I I'm at the very beginning of a of a big project. So I'm gonna try and go big
0: mm. and
1: so uh, but probably won't talk about that yet. it's not it's a bit ill formed. <laughs> <laughs> so if, you, if you keep on touching me on social media, you'll find out about that. But I'm, I'm investigating s- festivals, celebrations, feast days, joy, community, and how we can mark loss and grief and f- fun with a bit of dancing. Always. <laughs> and poetry. <Barretty. laughs> and probably a bit of costume wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: That all sounds amazing, and I really urge you all to go and follow Bernadette on social media because I mean, if the the post today about Star Wars and then sticking up a poster on the phone box was just brilliant, and yeah, it brings it brings a smile to my face. That light we all need the Bernadette light
1: in our lives. Thank you, Hello, so. Sarah Fox. Oh, Hello. Did you know, Sarah Fox, that for two years I posted a picture of a fox every day on social media? No, I didn't know that. And I called we- it fo- Fox of the Day. I did it for <sighs> no particular reason. It was the most popular thing I've ever done. Was it? Maybe I need to do that then. You, sh- you really should take that. I think you should take that. Where did you I- find the foxes? I just Google imaged them. Okay. But I did a project which you'll like this, Sarah Fox, because of your name. So I did a project with Secret Productions, and it was about trying to sort of look at the the fact the sort of science facts and the law around animal urban animals and one of them was a fox you probably know this but foxes are extraordinary they're the most resilient animals so it's a great surname for you as a coach and they're only second only to humans in how many different uh, uh, environments they live in they literally live in the sahara desert and at the arctic circle and everywhere in between they can see both at day and night so they're sort of like cats but also like dogs they make fridges did you know that
0: no i clearly my fox research is lacking and i've, I've well, been a fox for fif- 15 years or so so i'm gonna I,
1: i'm gonna take that on i think you should i think you should read reynard the fox i think you should take on fox of the day because you own it more than me and uh, the fox, the mythology of foxes is extraordinary and you're now part of that canon
0: well, I'm going to do it watch
1: Obviously. this space
0: amazing <laughs> right I'm so going to say goodbye um, thank you and yeah it's been really 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 lovely talking to you thanks Bernadette
1: and to you bye bye Sarah um,
0: I really hope you enjoyed that And of course, if you're interested in becoming a client, you can contact me and we can have a conversation about it. My door is always open. And if you're a change maker who wants to do good and do well, then please come and join my free Facebook group. Or you can get in touch via my other social media or email me. All the links are in the show notes. Look after yourselves. Take very good care.